Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning again on this 1st of July, 2022. Welcome to, is this the second quarter or the third quarter now? I think this is... We're now in the uh, third quarter, yes. Yeah, thank you. Q3 of 2022. Thank you, Paul. Um, that's Paul Perot. He is the uh, he is the one working all of the musical magic uh, behind the scenes. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the mixer board. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so on this um, Friday leading into this holiday weekend, um, as you are thinking about your prayer concerns and the things that have your attention, um, last night uh, at our dinner table, one of the conversations we had was the need for rain and uh, and then a conversation about praying for rain and then our conversations about places around the world that have been waiting for rain much longer than us, where people have been praying for rain um, and people are now beginning to die of starvation because of famine in the land. And um, and yet we still pray for rain where we live. And then praying for people in places where there's too much rain. Um, I was noting in my news feed this morning that rain is expected to dampen fireworks displays in some places. And other places are not having fireworks because it's just too dry and it's simply too dangerous. So um, as we think about what's happening across the country and around the world today, I want to just invite you to consider weather prayers, weather prayers, and to pray whether it rains or whether it doesn't rain, in and out of season. What's your weather prayer today? And um, and that brought to mind, as I wrote that down this morning, that brought to mind a conversation that I had with a a woman who was, at the time, she was about the age I am now. So this um, this took place in Malawi in 2009. It was a conversation with um, a woman who was at that point raising her grandchildren in a one-room um, home. Um, her one-room home, uh, as I look around my studio right now, her the house in which she was raising these grandchildren. Her children um, had had all died of AIDS, and her she was raising her grandchildren. And the studio I'm sitting in right now is bigger than the home in which she was raising these many, many children. And so she sat outside uh, the front of the house and she spent most of her day in prayer. And um, when I was writing down this morning, what's your weather prayer today? I recalled the conversation that I had with her on the stoop of her house. And she, um, she said, uh, when, when we asked her, you know, like, okay, you spend your day in prayer. Like, you know, what are you praying about? And she says, Oh, I pray weather prayers, weather prayers. (laughs) And so that led to a conversation. Well, what what are your weather prayers? And her weather prayers are this. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. 
whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Whether it rains or not, we are the Lord's. Whether there is food today or not food until tomorrow, we are the Lord's. Whether um, we are uh, able to um, care for the needs of our family or not, we are the Lord's. And those weather prayers um, change the way I think about the weather, and they also change the way I think about prayer. Um, She is the woman who taught me the privilege of having nothing to do but wait on the Lord because she committed to pray for me and for us. And she said she prays every day for her sisters and brothers in Christ in America because she is concerned that we are too busy to pray. And so she prays that God would give us a life more like hers where she can spend time on the stoop praying weather prayers for whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Maybe that gives us a little perspective today on the weather where we live. First Corinthians or First Thessalonians five sixteen and eighteen reminds us to pray, whether circumstances are relatively good or relatively bad. So, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Good perspective on this holiday weekend. Adam Holtz is up next with some media headlines. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Adam Holtz is back. You can find what we're discussing today at PluggedIn.com. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Oh, I am well. I am well. So um, talk with us about some of the reviews you have posted at PluggedIn.com. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with Minions because that's the big one and the obvious one this weekend. So I feel like Minions is one of those movie series that I would really benefit by subtitles. I don't understand. I don't understand what they're saying. Right. Well, you're not supposed to. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's meant to be gibberish e, and every now and then there'll be an actual word in there, like banana or something like that. But you know, it's uh, in some ways it's not their little you know babbling gobbledygook is not too far removed from like a silent movie kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I'll just confess to you that as a cerebral person. Um, <laughs> all right, but anyway, tell us about Minions, The Rise of Gru. Well, this is the fifth movie in what we, I guess, could call the Despicable Me universe. You know, Marvel came along and had the Marvel universe, and now everybody has to have a universe. So we used to call it a franchise or a series. Um, and this is the backstory of little Gru. He's. 11 or 12, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And Gru has always aspired to be a supervillain. And when his favorite supervillain group, the Vicious Six, unexpectedly has an opening, they post the job opening and and Gru goes to interview for that open position. They basically laugh at him and tell him to come back when he can prove that he's evil enough to be a part of their uh, nefarious (laughs) membership. Well, he spies a magical pendant hanging behind this table of of bad guys who are interviewing him, and he grabs it and runs away. And that, of course, unleashes all manner of comedic chaos. Uh, And I think the paradoxical thing about 
all of well almost all of the despicable me movies is we have a movie about or a series about a character who on the surface wants to be bad but the movies are really about how they're pretty good-hearted characters and so um Gru's mistake here is that he leaves his minions behind to pursue his life of villainy but when he gets in trouble it's his loyal minions who in their own <laughs> bumbling babbling way come to his rescue and um, I think that this series is on its fifth installment because there is something once you get past the ridiculousness of the premise and the the fundamental moral problem of wanting to be a supervillain um, there's something very sweet about Gru's relationships with his minions and of course in the other movies we see he has you know great relationships eventually with some other characters too uh but you know if you've seen the first four movies you know exactly what to expect here we've got you know minions who can't quite keep their overalls on so we've throw in it's some super very silly. yellow bo- very just, yellow bottoms for the yeah. little ones you know to giggle at um this is set in the 1970s so kind of like shrek did back in you know 2000 whenever it came out 2004 2000 somewhere in there there's all sorts of adult humor here that is far enough above kids heads that i don't think they're going to get most of it like at one point they put a an eight track cassette with a secret message into a car it blows up it fills up the car with smoke and they roll out and they all make you know silly faces from the smoke well Anybody who lived through the 70s or was around then knows exactly what that's a reference to. So, you know, we get these sort of sly cultural references to the 70s and some of the excesses there. Uh, There's a Casey and the Sunshine Band song lyric that I'm like, could have done without that. But I don't think there's any real super face-palming moments. And thankfully, this is one of the first movies I've seen in a long time that doesn't feel like it has to kowtow to uh, the progressive agenda and make sure that, you know, we have representation there in a way that you can't miss. So it's just a movie. It's just fun. It has some nice things to say about the fact that we all need each other. All right. So that is uh, Plugged In's movie review of Minions, The Rise of Gru. You can also check out other reviews of movies in theaters right now at PluggedIn.com. Adam Holtz and I are going to take a very brief break. Um, When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to some other media headlines of the day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle do or die. A real live nephew of my Uncle Sam, born on the 4th of July. That is some happy, that is some happy memories right there, uh, Paul Perot. Thank you for that little ditty. All right, we're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. And before we turn to um, a couple of media headlines, um, I want I want you to give you the opportunity, Adam, to talk about the movie Rise, because it does feature yeah. a Christian family. It does. Um, and one that you may have familiarity with, whether you realize it or not. Let me also say, recently we have... Um, We've had some some critical and some theological things to say about Disney, but this is a movie on Disney Plus that is a very positive representation of the Christian faith. And so I think it's important that that we just recognize that, uh, that not everything that shows up there is problematic. But 
Rise is the story of a family that moves from Nigeria to Greece, and they have a couple of boys who like to play basketball. And one of those is a boy named Ubo. And Ubo um, actually isn't very good at basketball, but his parents really, really encourage him and his brother, whose name is, I believe it's pronounced Thanasis, Thanasis, um, to keep playing. And their sort of family motto is, we fall to get back up. It's not where you start, but where you finish. And the, uh, the, um, the sort of rest of the story uh, here is that um, Ubo is uh, a guy named Giannis, and I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher his last name, uh, Antiquanpo. <laughs> I'm not even going to try again. But Giannis has obviously uh, become a massive NBA star. He's won two Most Valuable Player Awards uh, and uh, just is a testimony to his parents and their family and their faith and has been pretty outspoken about his Christian faith. So this really is a sports and biography kind of picture uh, about Giannis and his rise to fame really due to perseverance and the role that his family and his faith have played. And let's face it, we don't get to talk about movies like that very often. So uh, exactly great movie right. streaming on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so that's a, that's um that is one um that is one to watch and it is called Rise. All right, Adam, um love to have you um just reflect upon this very public witness of Christy Paul. She um she is leaving CNN and she came right out and said it is in order to put her family first, to be fully present. Yeah, you know, I think that um that's the core of the story right there. Christy is someone who has been with CNN uh, quite a long time and, and is somebody who has an established career. And <clears throat> I think the witness here is that in America, it can be easy to assume that your career is your first priority. And uh, her husband had gotten COVID earlier this year, and she had several weeks essentially of being a functional single mom. And I think during that time, she said it was sort of a time of reevaluation of her priorities. And she realized, you know, my kids only have one mom. I am the only one who can mother them. Uh, and she talked about just the need to be fully present um, for her children. And so she's setting aside what has been a, a really um, a really successful career to to take care of her family. And my guess is, uh, I, you know, I'm 10 weeks on from COVID and I'm still coughing. My guess is that's still a disruptive factor in her family as well. Um, but she says, nobody else is going to be my kid's mom and nobody else is going to be my husband's wife or my parents' children. And I need to be fully present there. So uh, kudos to Christy for making that choice and letting go of what the world would say is most important to, uh, okay, here it is, to focus on her family. Uh, at home. Yeah. It felt like an easy ball to set on the tee for a focus on the family right? uh, person, right? right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, that, that it's many good. Of us, we wrestle with, we grapple with priorities every day. And mm -hmm. I think that those of us who are involved at some level in a ministry oriented job, and maybe it's in a church, maybe it's in a parachurch, maybe it's a Christian network, 
maybe it's Christian media like you and I to a certain extent. I think it's easy, uh, or I think it's harder when we have a quote spiritual job unquote to to maybe see how those priorities jibe. Uh, but ultimately, um, God calls us to listen to Him and to walk with Him through those priorities and and through the decisions we're making. Um, and and she's realized her family right now is the most important thing, and she needs to to be attentive to that. We're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In, talking across some media headlines today. So another um, headline that caught my attention was this one about uh, Chadwick Boseman, who, you know, it, it, we talk about these people in moments in time and then time passes and sometimes there is cause or reason to, to talk about them again. Um, the world is talking about uh Chadwick Boseman, again, because of um, his estate and how his estate is being divided. Um, It also called to mind, you know, just like the need to get your affairs in order now, no matter how young you are or how healthy you seem to be. Um, Just just wondering, you know, what your thoughts and reflections are on this Chadwick Boseman story. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like um, he didn't have a will. Um, and that his wife has sort of stepped in as the executor of his fairly significant estate. And it sounds like she made the decision to split the, uh, the estate between her and his parents. Um, you know, Chadwick was pretty outspoken about his faith. Uh, and, you know, we even hear um, talking about him. I think it's his... His wife said he was blessed to live many lives within his concentrated one. He developed his understanding of what it meant to be the none, the one, and the all, a vessel to be poured into and out of. And he harnessed the power of letting go and letting God's love shine through. And again, sometimes I think we can over-spiritualize things. You know, for years, there were many, many Christian organizations that didn't talk much about retirement. And yet at the end of their lives, you had these missionaries that were impoverished because, you know, it was not spiritual to think about how do you be a good steward through the end of your life. And this is sort of in the same category. We can maybe focus on the spiritual and forget the practical. And as with most things, I think it's not either or, it's a balance. You know, it's both and, that we we focus on God's kingdom priorities. We trust him. We know that he's in control and yet we seek to be wise stewards of the resources that he has given us as well, which uh, includes, you know, having a will, especially if you have a significant estate that's going to go to somebody after you die. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm I am mindful as a person who's my dad died when he was 43 and I was um, uh, I was 15 and my dad didn't have a will. And so this is one of those storylines, I think, that when it popped in the headlines, I'm like, oh, I I don't remember. My mom has since told me, but I don't remember the grief and the pain um, that my mom suffered having to go to court to establish, right, that, you know, I was going to continue to live with her as her child and that my dad's right. estate was, you know, like, right, like those kinds of things. So if you're listening right now and you don't have a will, get with it. Like, it's like. Please get with it on behalf of women and children everywhere um, and on behalf of your children, whether or not you're a man or a woman, like get a will. Like, OK, now there you go. <clears throat> that's my 
That's my mothering this morning to everyone listening today. Um, Adam, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, as always, for helping us focus on the family. Thank you for what you do every day at Plugged In. You guys can read not only movie reviews, but all kinds of other great resources available for you at PluggedIn.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. As I uh, listen to John Stone Street talking about uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe and Uncle Tom's Cabin and the power of story, the power of a fictional novel to capture the attention, the heart, the mind, to change the world um, on a particular topic or subject, uh, I'm wondering what's on your summer reading list. What are you reading this summer? Um, And are you reading good books? Are you reading the good book? It's notable that Uncle Tom's Cabin was second only to the Bible in terms of books being sold. Wonder how that would shape up today. And it's one thing to buy a book. It's another thing to read it. It's one thing to read a book. It's another thing to like ingest it. So are you eating the word today? Are you ingesting it? Are you processing it? Are you allowing it to strengthen you? Not just inform, but transform you. Where are you in the word today? Where in the word are you today? Story has great power and no power has, no story has greater power than the story, his story. How is his story shaping history today, including our own? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We're going to get together in a moment for the Friday Farm Report. I'm gonna live where the green grass grows Watch my corn pop up in rows Every night be tucked in close to you Alright, well the green grass is not exactly growing where I live right now But, um, yes, so we do need rain where I live This is the Friday Farm, farm Report on Mornings with Carmen And, you know, it occurs to me that the farm report is really specific to um, the space and a place uh, uh, that a person lives. So depending whether or not you live north or south of the equator, depending uh, how close you live to the equator, whether or not it's raining too much, just enough, not enough. Um, was that Goldilocks and the Three Bears, the whole too much, not enough, just right? Is that Goldilocks and the Three Bears, Paul? Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, I don't know how you're feeling about the rain where you live and the way it's being supplied in sufficiency, insufficiency, too much. But rain is a big part of farming. Um, and whether or not uh, your grass is brown, um, your trees survive, on and on and on. Your gardens uh, grow. So... Uh, how does your garden grow? Well, it doesn't grow much if there's no rain. So there you go. Uh, our grass is brown because we're not focused on the grass. That's become kind of irrelevant. Um, we transplanted a bunch of trees earlier uh, this year, and um, those have succumbed to the heat. Only like two of 10 have survived. So that is sad to me. Um, but I am thankful for the harvest that we do have. It's about 20% of the harvest of last year. 
But that's certainly sufficient when we think about um, our fruit bearing bushes and trees. So right now we're picking blueberries. They are very, very tasty. Peaches. I'm going to make this observation about peaches. Um, squirrels love them and squirrels will raid your peach tree in if there's not enough water elsewhere. So um, there you go. Uh, so we've lost lots of peaches. But again, 20% is really plenty. It's quite sufficient. So even though we've got a, a, a far fewer peaches than we had last year, <laughs> we have plenty of peaches. And they're delicious. And I am going to make this observation. The higher the sugar content of the peach, the faster that it, I'll use the word, gets smushy. I don't, I don't think smushy is a technical term, but everybody knows of what I speak. So if you wait until your until your fruit is literally vine ripe, ripe on the tree, it's just so delicious, right? It's delicious. You pick it and you eat it. But if you pick it and then you don't immediately eat it or you don't immediately process it, um, it does not take very long for the side upon which the peach is now sitting in upon whatever surface it is sitting instead of hanging from the tree. It, that side gets smushy really fast if the Sugar content in the fruit is high. So there you go. That's my counsel for today. We do have in our orchard the promise of plums, apples, grapes, and pears. But, you know, the pestilence of the of the squirrels. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? So how does your garden grow? That is, I suppose, the question of the day in the Friday Farm Report. Gardens grow by grace. I mean, God's the one who gives the growth. Right. I mean, that is the biblical testimony and witness. We were set in a garden. Um, God calls us to be cultivators of the culture in which we live. So how does your garden grow? I think there's a reason that God uses fruit as uh, as the way of describing the Christian life and what kind of fruit we're producing. You know, I don't want to be producing wild grapes. I want to be producing grapes that are good. Um, I don't want to be producing fruit that God considers bad. I want to be produ- producing good fruit and lots of it in um, in ever greater abundance, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like I do a fruit inspection. Maybe we do a fruit inspection with one another today. And sometimes it, you know, it, it takes the wisdom and counsel of someone else to look at our life and say, um, hey, I know, you know, I know you're a disciple I know that you're seeking to represent Christ in the world. Um, I got to tell you that that fruit right there, that's that's not on the good list from Galatians chapter five. That's on the icky list like that's that fruit's not good fruit. Um, We want to be people who are bearing fruit in in season and out of season all the time, everywhere. Um, we also want to be people in whom the word of God is sown deeply. So we want to be good soil. And I hope that your mind is ranging about, as I'm saying these things, ranging about the places in Scripture where uh, God uses agrarian imagery and agrarian stories to um, continue to sow peace within us, encourage us to be strengthened in our inner being, Um we talk about the way that we grow and who we grow up with. I don't know about you, but, you know, I am I feel like we're raising children in the midst of a pretty weedy generation. 
And we're going to let the weeds and the tares grow up together. And we're going to let God sort it out. That's that's hard. I want to get in there and I want to, you know, chop down every weed uh, in order that my little ones can grow up uh, safe and in a place where they don't have to compete with the weediness of their generation. But that's not what Scripture says. So how does your garden grow? Oh, by the way, weeds do still grow. Even in even in the heat, even in uh, a time where there's there seems to be no water for anything else, weeds still grow. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? I have noticed that weeds don't just still grow. They're still green. It's a little confusing to me, um, but that is the truth of the matter. Weeds still grow. Uh, one more uh, part of the farm report before we move on. Uh, to the Declaration of Independence, because it's 4th of July weekend, so we're going to do that. Um, Millie does not like being relegated to the orchard uh, on squirrel duty. She much prefers the um, the life that she was enjoying prior to this season, during which somebody has to stay in the orchard and protect the trees from the pestilence of the squirrels. Um, she is not too excited about re- being relegated to the orchard for squirrel duty. And it is a reminder to me that there are times that I don't like doing the thing that I am called and sent by God responsibly to to do. Like, there are times that we have to do things, we're called to do things, we're sent to do things that maybe aren't our most preferred things. And so I encourage you to make the best of it. That's what I've told Millie. I don't know that she's paying attention. You know, she's a dog. But, um, But I keep telling her, like, make the best of it. You like to run around. And you 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 like generally to be here. You just don't like it when the gate is closed. So um, I want you just to think about today, and I'm going to think about this today as well. What are the things that God has called and sent me to do that maybe aren't my preferred activities, um, but they are my responsibility? And I'm going to do them joyfully as unto the Lord. So the Declaration of Independence is the uh, foundation of uh, this July 4th holiday weekend. And so let's read the beginning of it. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. The Declaration of Independence goes on, but that is the beginning of it. It is uh, what triggered the beginning of um, ultimately a war, a revolution, and ultimately resulted in we the people living free. As we approach the 4th of July weekend, I want to consider freedom and its purpose in the world today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and more on freedom next. I will live 
Freedom's never free. The freedom we enjoy in Christ is not free. It is bought for us at the cost of his life. Um, And it is for freedom that we have been set free. We're not to use our freedom as license, um, but we are to use our freedom to advance the gospel, to advance freedom for others. So I thought that in anticipation of this 4th of July holiday weekend, when we celebrate the ways in which freedom rings, um, it would be good for us to bring into view the reality um, in which millions of people around the world are living, which is not the reality of freedom. And so as I was praying through this this morning, the Lord brought the Uyghur people into uh, sort of my field of vision. And um, so I checked in on what exactly is happening with the Uyghurs, um, whom the Chinese Communist Party has declared an enemy class whose traditions are not sufficiently Chinese, and therefore the Uyghurs must be eliminated. That is... um, That is the effort of the Chinese Communist Party in relationship to the Uyghur people. And um, beginning some seven or eight years ago now, the Chinese government has been systematically cracking down on the Uyghur people in Zhejiang province, um, seeking what is described in their own documents as an extinction war aimed at the Uyghur population. Um. What what do we feel? What do we think when we consider that um, an entire people group is being systematically eliminated by the Chinese Communist Party? Like, uh, you know, uh, how do we think and feel about the war in Ukraine um, and Russia's ongoing... Uh, absolute decimation of the Ukrainian people, their economy, their schools, their hospitals, their shopping malls, their way of life, their life itself. How do we think and how do we feel about the hundreds of millions of people living in slavery today, today? People who are living lives that are bound. Yesterday, uh, China's communist ruler, President Xi Jinping, um, was in Hong Kong to mark the uh, 25th anniversary of Hong Kong's return to China from Britain. And as we consider that, and as we consider how frustrating and awful it is um, for Hong Kong to be subjected to China's tyranny. One of the things that occurs to me is that um, the language of returning a British colony to China after Um, having negotiated um, following the first opium war in 1842 that China would cede Hong Kong to Britain 
So I, I just I was thinking about this and I'm like, I mean, they're talking about like passing a people off from one to another, from China to Great Britain and the Great Britain back to China um, when the people of Hong Kong want to live free. Colonization is not freedom. Um, nor is the kind of ways in which China um, asserts its dominion over Hong Kong today. 150 years under British rule and then, quote unquote, returned to Chinese rule. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. I think that it's important this weekend for us to recognize what makes America genuinely unique. Um, what makes us unique? And reread the Declaration of Independence. Acknowledge the the faith in God that is expressed in this document by these people. To to say that we hold to be true, self evident, um, inalienable rights endowed by a Creator God is to say something. To say that we believe that God created all people equal. Yes, I recognize that is a complicated history, and that is a really complicated thing to have said when they said it in the Declaration of Independence based on the status of um, of, of African people um, enslaved by some of the very people that wrote the Declaration. I get that it's complicated and it's messy, but it's nonetheless true. What they said is true. All people are created equally by God as his image bearers and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To what lengths would we go to secure those rights? That is a good and provocative question for us to consider today. It's also a good and provocative question for us to ask, to what lengths was God willing to go to secure our freedom from the tyranny of sin? God was willing to come from heaven to earth and from earth to the cross and the cross to the grave and the grave to the sky to secure our liberty from the bondage to sin and death. And in freedom, we have been set free in Christ to live in freedom. What does that mean? And for what purposes do we use the freedom won for us in Christ Jesus our Lord? Freedom is not given that we would live lives of license. For freedom, Christ has set us free. That we would not submit again to the yoke of slavery. That's Galatians 5.1. But that we would live in the liberty of the true freedom God intends us to have. Lives of beauty and purpose and truth. Lived in intimacy with him and in fellowship with others. My friends, for freedom, we have been set free. Let us use our freedom not as a license to sin, but as a wonderful opportunity to live the righteous lives Christ died to give us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, 
across the plains of Texas from sea to shining sea. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, exactly what we're doing right now um, here on Faith Radio and the Faith Radio Network. From sea to shining sea, declaring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, doing so um, with joy and great anticipation and great thanksgiving. We are seeking to have the gospel go forth to more and more people, to extend the gospel, the good news of the grace of God in Jesus Christ to more and more people, always and in all ways, in every direction, in everything that we do and how we do it. And so this weekend, as you are pledging allegiance to the flag, as you're singing the songs, as you're declaring the goodness of God's grace and glory um, poured out in the fruitfulness of this land that we all love and call home. Let's lift up the name of Jesus in new ways. Let's find ways to get God back into the conversations of the day. Let's do so in ways that are winsome and joyful and life-giving. I mean, when we talk about the reality of a revolution, they're never bloodless. But all the blood that needs to be spilled has been spilled upon the cross through the person of Jesus Christ. He who was once whole was broken, that we who are broken might become whole. There is no division among us and no division within us. There is no separation that cannot be healed through the blood of Christ. Countercultural, strange, odd to say? Yes, yes. <laughs> Just as weird today as it was in the first generation of people who declared that in Christ we have been set free. Let's be mindful that they continued to live under Roman tyranny for a really long time. Let's remind ourselves that there are Christians living today under tyranny around the world. No less free in Christ than you and I. It is for freedom that we have been set free. Let us extend that grace, that liberty to more and more people. Have a great weekend, a wonderful holiday, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.